This is episode 34 of the Higher Christian Life broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. When it comes to the Holy Spirit living in each of us, this amazing truth was hidden from the Jews in the Old Testament and deemed a mystery to them and only revealed to the saints, us, in the New Testament. Colossians 1.27 calls this truth a mystery. It defines it as Christ in you, the hope of glory. And later on, we find in the New Testament that we're deemed as temples of the Holy Spirit since he now lives in us. We find this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, and the mystery is Christ now in us, the hope of glory. But what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit living in us? And what does it mean to be called a temple of God, of the Holy Spirit who resides in each of us? These are strange phrases. The answers, though, are far-reaching and profound, especially regarding our quest to experience this elusive, higher Christian life. So let's find out more as we unpack these truths and jump right in, shall we? If you remember, we're in the middle of these three truths that will encourage you in your walk towards the higher Christian life, especially when you fail. And these three truths will explain to you the reason why you fail and give you the tools you need to fail no longer. For review, truth one states that we are incapable of pleasing God or producing anything good with our flesh, no matter how hard we try, period cannot be done. Truth 2 states that God, knowing that, gave us the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in us in order to accomplish his supreme purpose, which is to conform us to the image of Christ. We see that in Romans 8 and in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. So truth too reveals that when the Holy Spirit, which is God himself, takes up residence in you, he brings with him all the power and love and wisdom and understanding and joy and peace and spiritual gifts and everything that comes with God is in God in you. In other words, it's not just God light or Holy Spirit second class. When he comes to live in you, he brings all of him in you. Now, let that sink in for a moment. God now lives in you, not with you or by you or around you or close to you, but the Holy Spirit actually lives right now in you. And the scripture teaches, because of that fact, that that makes you a dwelling place of deity, a dwelling place of God, or as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, the temple of God. Here's what that verse says. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, because he's taken possession of you by living in you. And the Bible calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, let's be honest. For Christians today, the idea of a temple seems archaic and quite outdated. After all, temple worship is something we associate with false religions or is relegated to the Old Testament as some ancient practice of Judaism that we don't do anymore. And we assume as believers we've moved far beyond temple worship, or at least so we think. In Judaism, where this imagery comes from, the heart of their worship was tied up in a building, their temple, because it is only in a specific part of this building, the Holy of Holies, and only on certain days that a man was able to actually have fellowship and meet with God. And to make matters worse, all men didn't have that privilege to meet with God, only the priest, and only after going through some rituals that make little sense to us today, were you able to go in and meet with God. God to the Jews was understood to dwell in the temple that was made for him to reflect his glory. And it was only in the temple by priest that sacrifices could be made for the atonement of sin. Which means this, without a temple, there's no sacrifices. And without the sacrifices, there was no forgiveness of sins. So the importance of the temple to the Jewish understanding of what it takes to have fellowship with God and have your sins forgiven cannot be overstated. The first temple was built by Solomon and, of course, was later destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC. They were carried off into captivity for 70 years, and when they came back into the land, they built the second temple— wasn't really much to it at that time, around 516 BC under the leadership of Ezra and Zerubbabel, and that temple stood for almost 585 years. Towards the end of that temple, around the year 20 BC and during the 18th year of his reign, Herod the Great made impressive improvements to the second temple so that it was commonly known in Jesus' day as Herod's temple. And it was this second temple, Herod's temple, that was destroyed by Titus Vespasian when he came with the 5th, 10th, and 15th Roman legion and laid siege to Jerusalem around A.D. 70. So since A.D. 70, until they came back as a nation— The Jews had no country of their own, and even now, they haven't even built their third temple. So if all their worship is tied up around a temple, what are the Jewish people to do? I mean, how could they meet with their God? And the answer is they couldn't, at least not a temple made by human hands. You might want to look at Acts 7.48 to see exactly what that means. Here's how it really works, though regarding temples in us today. When Jesus died on the cross, he was the one final perfect sacrifice for the atonement of our sins. Hebrews 10, 1 through 18 speaks of that in great detail. There was no need any longer for the sacrifices of animals as to point to Christ or as a picture of what Jesus was going to accomplish on the cross. Hence, there was no need for a physical temple whereby sinful men could come and offer the blood of goats and bulls and lambs to somehow atone for the penalty of sin for which Jesus has already suffered and died and bled in order to forgive. Because after Jesus came, everything changed and the temple worship and the need for a temple was abolished. 
Why was that? Because today there's no need for a temple, because there's no need for continual blood sacrifices. There's no need for a high priest to act as an intermediary between each of us and God. And Jesus himself has replaced all of that in his death and resurrection and in his body. He became our high priest. You'll see that in Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10. And his blood, his sacrifice that he gave for all of us has provided the atonement for our sins, not continually like with the Jews in their temple worship, but once and for all, the scripture says. And the veil of the temple that separated sinful men from the presence of God in the Holy of Holies was torn, ripped from the top to the bottom at the death of Christ, indicating now that there is no longer any barrier between God and man. We now have bold access to the throne of God by the blood sacrifice of Jesus. Let me show you what it says in Hebrews 10, 19-22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And this is where it gets exciting, especially regarding the higher Christian life. Just think, we are now the temple of God. The verse we looked at earlier, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, states that. Listen again. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Because the Holy Spirit, God himself, now lives in us, we've become temples of God, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We have within us what the Jews hoped to experience if they ever were in the Holy of Holies, which is the fullness of God, the experience of seeing him and him being revealed to us. We have the presence of God and the person of the Holy Spirit, not behind a veil, but actually inside of us. And it was this wondrous mystery of our union with God and this Christ in us that was hidden from the Jews, but is now revealed to you and I. Colossians 1.27 says this marvelous verse, to them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mysteries among the Gentiles, which is what? Which is Christ in you, the hope of of glory. Now, when we struggle with our failures in the higher Christian life, it's because of our sinful nature. It's pulling us and prompting us, and sometimes it feels like forcing us to do the things we don't want to do when our spirit wants to do the things that are pleasing to him. And yet we try and fail and try and fail and get discouraged and fail. Paul talked about this. You and I and Paul know what this is like to try and fail. Remember the words that he said? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
So you're not alone. I am not alone when we struggle to be more like Christ. Paul also struggled. But the great encouragement from us today is this. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Just take a deep breath and reflect on that familiar but profound truth. You don't have to travel to the temple to meet with him. You don't have to wait like in the Old Testament for a certain day to experience his healing power. You don't have to go through all sorts of rituals to make yourself appear holy and worthy to be in his presence. He's already here. He's already in you. He's closer to you than you can imagine. And he knows you better than you know you. And he has seen the best and the worst of who you are, and yet he still loves you. So relax and stop striving and probably failing to live out something in your life like holiness or sanctification or the higher Christian life and and stop because the Holy Spirit was given to you to live that life through you. It's him living the life through you and not you and your flesh trying to live that life, which brings us to truth one, you are incapable of doing that. Let him do his job. Just get out of the way and let God be God to you. I hope this has been a blessing and we will talk again tomorrow. Until then.